Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we've got a real Renaissance guy on here today and uh, just um, has gone uh, really around with his grief and just has a lot of knowledge I think you're going to benefit from today. And I'm calling the topic today of the show is Unique Thoughts on Grief. So Heidi, let's get started. You want to introduce our guest today? Sure, I'd love to, Mom, and I love the name. And I think our guest does have a lot of unique thoughts on grief. And our guest today is Jason Gotts. He is a bereaved sibling, which as all of you know, is near and dear to my heart and his sister, Mary died. He is also a writer and a podcaster and produces and hosts the podcast, Clever Creature. He teaches narrative podcasting at Columbia University's graduate program in the School of Arts. And he is the author of Humanity is Trying, Experiments in Living with Grief, finding connection and resisting easy answers. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Heidi and Gloria. I'm so glad to be here. It's great to have you on. Uh, Give our audience a little background. Your sister, Mary, Um, died. She died in 2015, which was maybe two months before I started my first podcast, which is relevant because you know, I think that the sibling, I think the trajectories of siblings uh, are intertwined. And, you know, when you lose a sibling, you spend a lot of time thinking about the way that your, your lives are interwoven. When one is on an upswing or the other is on a downswing, how, who's the supporter? Who's the, who's the one in need? Um, And, uh, and that was a moment you know, just before, uh, after a lot of wandering in my life, my life was on something of an upswing. That very moment was sort of the end of a long trajectory of uh, unfortunate decline for my sister. Um, and, and the confluence of those two things gave me, gave me a lot of pause, a lot, a lot to think about for the next few years. She was three and a half years younger than me. Um, she was she was always the kind of bold, courageous, fierce one of the two of us. I was always the more introspective. She was just always charging full steam ahead at life. Um, and she could be belligerent. She could be difficult. You know, she could be incredibly stubborn. Um, and I ended up, you know, sometimes in the role of mediator with her because I tended to be more diplomatic. Um, we balanced out each other's energies in interesting ways. Um, She had a childhood cancer when she was um, 12 that took part of the bone of her leg and uh, her knee joint. And she had an early experimental treatment which which replaced the bone and the joint with a titanium prosthesis, which kept her walking and kept most of her own leg intact uh, until she was in medical school at which time those things have a shelf life. They just can't be anchored anymore after a certain point. And she had to have the leg amputated. That derailed 
her medical school career, uh, which was very central to her identity. Um, and then her life somewhat shrunk inward for the next, you know, decade or so uh, to the scope of her garden, caring for her dog, her life with her husband and supporting his career. Um, but I'm not sure she fully, I think she fully, she knew on one level and on another level couldn't quite acknowledge the extent to which it had shrunk her world and, and, and was never able to kind of climb up out of that. And so, so the, the, the long tail of her story looks like a decline. A couple years after her death, I realized all of a sudden that I had lost sight of my sister. I had lost connection to my sister because of the narrative trajectory of her decline. Because in my mind and in everybody's mind, her story had long been a, a tragedy of unfulfilled potential. And I thought about how like people, our understanding of people get, gets drowned out or can get drowned out by the stories we tell about their lives and the way that we look at them in a narrative sense. Sibling loss is really an unacknowledged loss. The fact that we are on a journey with our siblings, we take the trip together, you know, and we have all these developmental stages we go through and all these things. They know things about us nobody else knows. And you really captured your sister. She's this strong, dynamic person. And you were, like you said, you balance each other, your energy, et cetera. And then she has this, this health tragedy, you know, um, but yeah, so I think that a lot of a lot of things resonated for me in this, and we often do feel minimized. You know, these are the longest relationships most of us will ever have. Most of us will have our siblings on our, our on the earth together for eighty to one hundred percent of our lifetime, and here you are, Jason, without your sister, who is such a big part of your life. You know, and not to have her here, it must be a, a big void in in many ways. Yeah. Yes, I think it is, and I mean. To, to the point about it being unacknowledged. Um, you know, in general, I don't know that my family is so good at grief or grieving. Maybe we could say the whole of American culture is not so good at grief or, or grieving uh, in general um, without a lot of support um, and soul searching, you know, from the outside. It's been, it, it's been a process for me of trying to even acknowledge that grief for myself like never mind the never mind the fact that sibling loss is not something that's sort of understood maybe in the in the wider culture the way that say losing a spouse might be or losing a parent it's not something we talk about much so in that sense there there isn't that sort of broader circle of support but but even for me it's been a process of just figuring out what it means to to mourn her what what are the ways in which i can stay connected to and reclaim her um in my life um and what are the means of you know what means are available to me to do that i had to find my way and there were many many different ways i know <clears throat> one of the things that you talk about is that buddhism and that you have a really taken a look at it, but now you've come around to a little different take on the noble truths. And I, I think the major noble truths of Buddhism are around suffering and impermanence. I've heard from a number of Buddhist scholars that the, the, the term suffering for, for the original term, which is dukkha in, in the language of the Buddha, dukkha, 
that that word they say is maybe better translated as a badness of fit, like not quite fitting. And so the idea is that like in our lives, we don't quite get what our, what we want always. We, or we almost always don't get exactly what we want. Often we get things that we don't want and our existence is spent often in one way or another chasing or running away from those things. And then Buddhism provides an approach to getting out of that cycle, to freeing yourself from that, that cycle. Fundamentalized, I would say, comforting idea of Buddhism for me is the fact that everything is constantly in a state of change and that most of our unhappiness, most of our dukkha, the badness of fit, comes from failing to acknowledge that in one way or another. So we're trying to make things solid that are not solid or we're wanting something, you know, we're wanting something to be the case that when something else entirely is happening. Just that fact, just that fact of impermanence, it's not to say that like the things that matter to us and the people that matter to us don't matter, but it's to say that you have to hold loosely to life, that our, our relationships, our lives, they change. Death is a part of life. We grow older, you know, we will all experience sickness. Our parents will experience sickness, you know, and, and, there, and there will be death. And this is a fact. You know what's hard about that? And I totally agree with you. It's hard to see your siblings die before you thought they were going to. You know, because you, you think that you, there's this life order, which is not true. Like you're saying, you think there's this order. My grandparents are going to die first. Right. Which, by the way, they didn't. Okay. And then my parents are going to die. And then I'm going to die because I'm the oldest sibling. And then my brother, who's three years younger than me, he will die three years after me. <laughs> we think there's this nice, neat order. And the reality is my grandfather was in his 80s and he was still alive when my brother died. So who died at 17, it's so hard to accept the impermanence of life and the changes that happen when you feel like they were out of order. And I know that's all probably part of accepting change, right? No, that's exactly right. I, 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 I exactly understand what you're saying. And I think that this is true, not only in terms of not only in terms of the order in which we're supposed to live and die, but in terms of everything that we think is supposed to happen. We have this, we have this narrative vising tendency. We like, we understand the way the story is supposed to go in almost every area. My sister was extremely talented, um, you know, very, very smart very driven. She was supposed to become a doctor. She was supposed to become a doctor because she had suffered the childhood cancer. And then she was supposed to help other people as a result of that and have this glorious career. All of that was suddenly derailed for her. And she couldn't deal with that. She couldn't accept that. I don't think that she was ever, ever found any way to look directly at, at that. And the, you know, those 10 years, those last 10 years of her life, I think were spent in a way avoiding, avoiding the derailment of that story and avoiding having to acknowledge that something had gone other than the way that it was supposed to, and that maybe there was a different way that things 
could go, which would not be a tragedy. You know, and I think we're I think we're all subject to that. We're all in so many ways all the time with respect to ourselves, with respect to the other people that we love. We're constantly creating stories of how things are supposed to go. And so, of course, it's a trauma when that story is interrupted. What has it done for you to write this book about her? The title of the book is from a bumper sticker that my sister had that said humanity is trying. I don't know where she got it. And I don't know that it was referring to anything other than just that phrase, but we used to joke about the fact that it meant three things, which is, you know, humanity is trying its best. So, you know, the value of tolerance, both for yourself and others, understanding that we're imperfect, understanding that, um, yeah, things don't always go the way that you think they're supposed to go. You know, in general, people are trying their best. Um, and then <clears throat> humanity is trying, as in the sense of getting on, getting on one's last nerve, uh, trying my patience, <laughs> which is also true. And then, and then just the idea that trying is what it means to be human. That is, as long as you are... Um, as long as you're putting energy into moving forward, you're, 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 that, that is what it means to be human. So, so all three of those things in one bumper sticker. And what it did for me to write the book, I think it will probably be many years before I fully know the answer to that question. But one thing that I was trying to do in writing the book is understand the relationship between me and my sister. You know, I think that we all exist in relationship. I don't think that, you know, no, none of us is an island. We're, we're made up of relationships. We're in dynamic flux in connection with the people that we're in connection to in our lives. You know, part of the mourning process was diving into what, what is my sister to me? What was my sister to me? How did she become who she became, you know, both on her own and in relation to me and the same for me? Um, and trying to, trying to sort through all of those tangled strings um, to both to reclaim the connection um, and, also, and also just to understand better. You talked earlier also about reclaiming the connection and the continuing bond, what that looks like. So part of it has been just trying to write her into life um, one way or another. That is, you know, describing her, talking about her life, writing to her. So there, there's direct address in the book. There are also stories about her. There, I had a bunch of conversations with people she knew at times in our lives when we were separate to get a different, get different perspectives on her, to see the her that I never would see because you only see and know a slice of a person depending on your relationship with them. I really like that, by the way. And tell us your website and podcasts and everything so that people will be able to find you. Sure, sure, absolutely. My my website is my name, jasongotts.com, J-A-S-O-N-G-O-T-S. I currently host and produce and write a show called Clever Creature. Uh, which comes out in eight to nine episode series 
whenever I'm able to produce them. It's usually about once a year. I took a year off because of the book. Um, and before that, I hosted and produced a show called Think Again for five years, conversations with thinkers and artists and writers, people from all different disciplines, and that's still available everywhere. Thank you, Jason, for being on the show today and for your unique uniqueness in life. And thank you for talking about sibling loss with you and Heidi, because I know that is an unacknowledged loss in many ways. And there are so many people that need to think about it, know about it, but also your book is a good read. So thank, thank you, you so much. much for being on today. Thank you. Thanks to both of you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for building awareness for sibling loss with me. And I know that Mary is your guiding light. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heidi. And thanks everybody for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.